0: Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, quiet bedtime stories to help you fall asleep. In the summer here on the mountain, we regulate the temperature inside the cabin by opening and closing the windows strategically. We leave them open all night because we get cooler air that comes in from the ocean in the evenings. And then when it heats up during the day, we shut all the windows to keep the warm air out and the cold air in. Well, this was the first week of the year that we had to start shutting the windows at night, because it is getting chilly down into the 40s Fahrenheit. We have a composting commode here at the cabin, which is somewhat like an outhouse. It's outside and doesn't have a door. And this morning, when I went out there, I got a surprise when I lifted the lid. There was a frog sitting on the seat and a lizard right next to him, both of them hunting for flies. I took a picture and put it up on the blog. That's at listen listentosleep.com or you can click on the link in the show notes. I also posted a video of a morning walk Bodie and I took this week where we saw a flock of band-tailed pigeons come by. They are beautiful, and only around in the fall here on the mountain. So if you want to see that, that's also in the same post. I want to say thank you to everyone who joined the Patreon last week. Thank you to Rachel, Hope, Wendy, Miku, Julie, Edith, Betty, Nevea, Natalie, and Carrie. Your support means so much to me and is greatly appreciated. The Patreon is a way that you can support the podcast for less than a dollar a month. And for that support... You'll get the podcast a day early without any ads or introductions, just straight to the meditation and into the story. It's nice if you like to listen to the episodes more than once, so you don't have to hear the introductions every time. You can just get right to the sleepy part. When I reach my goal of a thousand Patreon supporters, and we're almost a quarter of the way there, I'm going to make the podcast my full-time endeavor and start a second podcast on mindfulness. Joe and I have been taking a class on teaching mindfulness now for a bit, and we're both looking forward to helping more people find more peace in the evenings and in our daily lives. So if you can support the podcast through the Patreon, I would sure appreciate it. You can get more information at listentosleep.com, or there's a link to go straight to the Patreon in the show notes. Well, it's October, and that means spooky season. And now I know some of you love spooky stories for bedtime, and some of you do not. So this year, I've decided I'm going to read one spooky story in October, and that will be this week. It is a werewolf romance. It's not too spooky, but It's a good one. If you want more spooky stories, you can go back to the episodes from October of 2019, where I think I did four in a row. You can find them on the website, or just scroll way down in the podcast timeline. Let's take a deep breath. In. And out. Letting go of the day. Feeling yourself sinking down into the mattress. Letting the weight of gravity pull you down. Take another deep breath in with me. And out. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go. This is your time, quiet time. One more deep breath in and out. If you start to fall asleep while you're listening, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. The Werewolf In the reign of Egbert the Saxon there dwelt in Britain a maiden named Isolt who was beloved of all both for her goodness and for her beauty. But though many a youth came wooing her She loved Harold only, and to him she plighted her troth. Among the other youth of whom Isolt was beloved was Alfred, and he was sore angered that Isolt showed favor to Harold, so that one day Alfred said to Harold, Is it right that old Siegfried should come from his grave and have a to wife. Then he added, Prithee, good sir, why do you turn so white when I speak your grandfather's name? Then Harold asked, What know you of Siegfried that you taunt me? What memory of him? should vex me now. We know, and we know, retorted Alfred. There are some tales told us by our grandmas we have not forgot. So ever after that, Alfred's words and Alfred's bitter smile haunted Harold by day and night. Harold's grandsire, Siegfried the Teuton, had been a man of cruel violence. The legend said that a curse rested upon him, and that at certain times he was possessed of an evil spirit that wreaked its fury on mankind. But Siegfried had been dead for many years. And there was naught to remind the world of him, save the legend and a cunning wrought spear which he had gotten from Brunhilde, the witch. This spear was such a weapon that it never lost its brightness, nor had its point been blunted. It hung in Harold's chamber, and it was the marvel among weapons of that time. Isolt knew that Alfred loved her, but she did not know of the bitter words which Alfred had spoken to Harold. Her love for Harold was perfect in its trust and gentleness. But Alfred had hit the truth. The curse of old Siegfried was upon Harold, slumbering a century. It had awakened in the blood of the grandson, and Harold knew the curse that was upon him. And it was this that seemed to stand between him and Isolt. But love, is stronger than all else. And Harold loved. Harold did not tell Isolt of the curse that was upon him, for he feared that she would not love him if she knew. Whensoever he felt the fire of the curse burning in his veins, he would say to her, Tomorrow, I hunt the wild boar in the uttermost forest. Or, next week I go stag-stalking among the distant northern hills. Even so, it was that he ever made good excuse for his absence. And Isolt thought no evil things. For she was trustful. Aye. Though he went many times away, and was long gone, his salt suspected no wrong. So none beheld Harold when the curse was upon him in its violence. Alfred alone bethought himself of evil things. Tis passing strange, quoth he, that ever and anon this gallant lover, should quit our company, and betake himself whither none knoweth. In sooth t'will be well to have an eye on old Siegfried's grandson. Harold knew that Alfred watched him zealously, and he was tormented by a constant fear that Alfred would discover the curse that was upon him, but what gave him greater anguish was the fear that mayhap at some moment when he was in Isolt's presence, the curse would seize upon him and cause him to do great evil unto her, whereby she would be destroyed, or her love for him would be undone forever. So Harold lived in terror, feeling that his love was hopeless, yet knowing not how to combat it. Now it befell in those times that the country round about was ravaged of a werewolf, a creature that was feared by all men, however so valorous. This werewolf, was by day a man, but by night a wolf, given to ravage and to slaughter, and having a charmed life against which no human agency availed aught. Wheresoever he went, he attacked and devoured mankind, spreading terror, and desolation round about. And the dream readers said that the earth would not be freed from the werewolf until some man offered himself a voluntary sacrifice to the monster's rage. Now, although Harold was known far and wide as a mighty huntsman, he had never set forth to hunt the werewolf. And strange enough, the werewolf never ravaged the domain while Harold was therein. Whereat, Alfred marveled much. And oftentimes he said, Our Harold is a wondrous huntsman. Who is like unto him in stalking the timid doe, and in crippling the fleeing boar? But how passing well doth he time his absence from the haunts of the werewolf? Such valor beseemeth our young Siegfried. Which being brought to Harold, his heart flamed with anger. But he made no answer, lest he should betray the truth he feared. It happened so about the time that Isolt said to Harold, Wilt thou go with me tomorrow evening to the feast in the sacred grove? That I cannot do, answered Harold. I am privily summoned hence to Normandy upon a mission of which I shall some time tell thee. And I pray thee, on thy love for me, go not to the feast in the sacred grove without me. What sayest thou? cried Isolt. Shall I not go to the feast of St. Alfreda? My father would be sore displeased were I not there with the other maidens. T'were greatest pity that I should, despite his love thus. But do not, I beseech thee, Harold implored. Go not to the feast of St. Alfreda in the sacred grove, and thou wouldst love me, go not. See thou my life, on my two knees I ask it. How pale thou art, said Isolt, and trembling. Go not to the sacred grove upon the morrow night, he begged. Isolt marveled at his acts and at his speech. Then, for the first time, she thought him to be jealous, whereat she secretly rejoiced. Ah, quoth she, thou dost doubt my love. But when she saw a look of pain come on his face, she added, as if she repented of the words she had spoken, Or dost thou fear the werewolf? Then Harold answered, fixing his eyes on her. Thou hast said it. It is the werewolf that I fear. Why dost thou look at me so strangely, Harold? Cried Isolt. By the cruel light in thine eyes, one might almost take thee to be the werewolf. Come hither, sit beside me, said Harold tremblingly, and I will tell thee why I fear to have thee go to the feast of St. Alfreda tomorrow evening. Hear what I dreamed last night. I dreamed I was the werewolf. Do not shudder, dear love, for t'was Only a dream. A grizzled old man stood at my bedside and strove to pluck my soul from my bosom. What wouldst thou? I cried. Thy soul is mine, he said. Thou shalt live out my curse. Give me thy soul. Hold back thy hands. Give me thy soul, I say. Thy curse shall not be upon me, I cried. What have I done that thy curse should rest upon me? Thou shalt not have my soul. For my offense shalt thou suffer, and in my curse thou shalt endure hell. It is so decreed. So spake the old man, and he strove with me, and he prevailed against me, and he plucked my soul from my bosom, and he said, Go, search and kill, and, and lo, I was a wolf upon the moor. The dry grass crackled beneath my tread. The darkness of the night was heavy, and it oppressed me. Strange horrors tortured my soul, and it groaned and groaned, jailed in that wolfish body. The wind whispered to me. With its myriad voices, it spake to me and said, Go search and kill. And above these voices sounded the hideous laughter of an old man. I fled the moor, whither I knew not, nor knew I what motive lashed me on. I came to a river, and I plunged in. A burning thirst consumed me, and I lapped the waters of the river. They were waves of flame, and they flashed around me and hissed, and what they said was, Go, search, and kill. And I heard the old man's laughter again. A forest lay before me, with its gloomy thickets and its somber shadows with its ravens, its vampires, its serpents, its reptiles, and all its hideous brood of night. I darted among its thorns and crouched amid the leaves, the nettles, and the brambles. The owls hooted at me, and the thorns pierced my flesh. Go. Search and kill, said everything. The hares sprang from my pathway. The other beasts ran bellowing away. Every form of life shrieked in my ears. The curse was on me. I was the werewolf. On, on I went with the fleetness of the wind, and my soul groaned in its wolfish prison, and the winds and the waters and the trees bade me, Go, search, and kill, thou accursed brute. Go, search, and kill. Nowhere was there pity for the wolf, what mercy thus should I, the werewolf, show? The curse was on me, and it filled me with a hunger and a thirst for blood. Skulking on my way within myself, I cried, Let me have blood, oh, let me have human blood, That this wrath may be appeased, that this curse may be removed at last i came to the sacred grove somber loomed the poplars the oaks frowned upon me before me stood an old man twas he grizzled and taunting whose curse i bore he feared me not All other living things fled before me, but the old man feared me not. A maiden stood beside him. She did not see me, for she was blind. Kill, kill, cried the old man, and he pointed at the girl beside him. Hell raged within me. The curse impelled me. I sprang at her throat. I heard the old man's laughter once more, and then. then I awoke. Trembling. Cold. Horrified. Scarce was this dream told when Alfred strode that way. Now. By your lady, quoth he, I bethink me never to have seen a sorrier twain. Then Isolt told him of Harold's going away, and how that Harold had besought her not to venture to the feast of St. Alfreda in the sacred grove. These fears are childish, cried Alfred boastfully. And thou sufferest me, sweet lady, I will bear thee company to the feast, and a score of my lusty yeomen, with their good yew bows and honest spears, they shall attend me. There be no werewolf, I trust, will chance about with us. Whereat Isolt laughed merrily. And Harold said, Tis well, thou shalt go to the sacred grove, and may my love and heaven's grace forfend all evil. Then Harold went to his abode, and he fetched old Siegfried's spear back unto Isolt, and he gave it to her into her two hands, saying, Take this spear with thee to the feast tomorrow night. It is old Siegfried's spear, Possessing mighty virtue and marvelous. And Harold took Isolt to his heart and blessed her. And he kissed her upon her brow and upon her lips, Saying, Farewell. O oh, my beloved, how wilt thou love me when thou knowst my sacrifice? Farewell, farewell forever, O oh Alderleafest fest of mine. So Harold went his way, and Isolt was lost in wonderment. On the morrow night came Isolt to the sacred grove, wherein the feast was spread. And she bore old Siegfried's spear with her in her girdle. Alfred attended her, and a score of lusty yeomen were with him. In the grove there was a great merriment, and with singing and dancing and games withal did the honest folk celebrate the feast of the fair St. Alfreda. But suddenly a mighty tumult arose, and there were cries of, The werewolf! The werewolf! Terror seized upon all. Stout hearts were frozen with fear. Out from the furthest forest rushed the werewolf, wood-wroth, bellowing hoarsely, gnashing his fangs and tossing hither and thither the yellow foam from his snapping jaws. He sought he sought straight, as if an evil power drew him to the spot where she stood. But Isolt, was not afraid. Like a marble statue, she stood and saw the werewolves coming. The yeomen, dropping their torches and casting aside their bows, had fled. Alfred alone abided there to do the monster battle. At the approaching wolf, he hurled his heavy lance but as it struck the werewolf's bristling back, the weapon was all to shivered. Then the werewolf, fixing his eyes upon Isolt, skulked for a moment in the shadow of the yews, And thinking then of Harold's words, Isolt plucked old Siegfried's spear from her girdle, raised it on high, and with the strength of despair sent it hurtling through the air. The werewolf saw the shining weapon, and a cry burst forth from his gaping throat, a cry of human agony. And Isolt saw in the werewolf's eyes the eyes of someone she had seen and known, But t'was for an instant only. And then the eyes were no longer human, but wolfish in their ferocity. A supernatural force seemed to speed the spear in its flight. With fearful precision, the weapon smote home and buried itself by half its length in the werewolf's shaggy breast, just above the heart. And then, with a monstrous sigh, as if he yielded up his life without regret, the werewolf fell dead in the shadow of the yews. Then, ah, then, in very truth, there was great joy, and loud were the acclaims, While beautiful in her trembling pallor, Isolt was led unto her home, where the people set about to give great feast to do her homage. For the werewolf was dead, and she it was that had slain him. But Isolt cried out, Go, search for Harold, Go, bring him to me, nor eat nor sleep till he be found. Good my lady, quoth Alfred, how can that be, since he hath betaken himself to Normandy? I care not where he be, she cried. My heart stands still until I look into his eyes again. Surely, he hath not gone to Normandy, out spake Hubert. This very eventide I saw him enter his abode. They hastened thither. A vast company. His chamber door was barred. Harold, Harold, come forth, they cried, as they beat upon the door but no answer came to their calls and knockings. afeared they battered down the door, and when it fell, they saw that Harold lay upon his bed. He sleeps, said one. See, he holds a portrait in his hand, and it is her portrait, how fair he is, and how tranquilly he sleeps. But no, Harold was not asleep. His face was calm and beautiful, as if he dreamed of his beloved. But his raiment was red with the blood that streamed from a wound in his breast, a gaping, ghastly spear wound just above his heart. Good night.